Not sure if we have a reader scheduled for today, but I love reading scripture, so it's my pleasure to do this for you. This is on page six of your bulletin if you'd like to follow along, or you can just listen along. This is Philippians chapter four, verses four through seven. Philippians four, four through seven. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. We have a guest speaker this morning, guest preacher. It's my joy and pleasure to introduce Pastor David Noble, who's been on staff at our downtown community and has been a friend as well, a brother who loves the good news of God's grace and has really been a key person in my processing of faith and how to live it out in real life and I've always appreciated his transparency and authenticity and his uh, growth in his relationship with Jesus. And I've benefited from that and felt like it'd be a great benefit for him to bring the word of God to us today um, and bless our community. So let me introduce David and if you could welcome him together with me. Thanks, brother. Well, good morning. It's good to see everyone this morning. This is a beautiful space. Uh, I love the light in here, and I, I like that you can look outside and see the sky, that there's a real world outside that we bring in here with us. Um, I'm a little distracted by this guy up here because he can do stuff that I can't. It's a little intimidating to me. Um, and thank you all for, for the worship, the worship team. Man, that was, that was beautiful this morning to be able to connect the reality, the truths of the gospel to our voices and to be able to express that through, through our whole bodies. Uh, that's what worship is all about. So I'm really grateful for that this morning as well. As we come to our passage of scripture this morning, uh, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your peace. We thank you that your peace guards our hearts and our minds. We pray, Lord, that we would know your peace more deeply into our hearts, into our inner beings, and that we could express that out in various ways into the world to bring you glory and honor. Pray it in your name. Amen. So in football, the left tackle guards the quarterback from the blindside attack. I learned that from watching a Sandra Bullock movie. <laughs> and uh, Batman guards Gotham from the Joker and other nefarious beings. And artists guard beauty. They should be the cultural guards of beauty uh, in our society. And the peace of God guards our hearts, guards our inner being. And that's what we're going to look at this morning Paul is writing to the Philippian church, which 
uh, is under persecution from the Roman government and the surrounding culture, and they also have hostility within the church. And so, from every angle, they're in the midst of hostility, and they're experiencing that. And that's why Paul is writing with a, a pastor's heart, a father's heart, to this little congregation to say, Rejoice. Rest in the peace of God. Be thankful for what he's given. In the midst of conflict and, and, and trouble and, and trials. So we've just come through uh, the Christmas season, which for many can be a trying time, whether you're staying here and you're having family in, or you're traveling to family and you know all the, the joys and trials that come with traveling. Or maybe you're here by yourself and you're feeling disconnected from community. You're feeling a particular heightened sense of loneliness uh, at the holidays. Whatever it is, uh, we all know trial at some level, and we all need to know about this peace of God. I need to know about this peace of God this morning. So that's my desire is that the Lord would communicate peace, His peace, to each of us as we look at His Word. And when we think about this peace of God, it's, it's not just a, a generic peace. It's not just kind of a peace out or a peace what's up or just a peace peace. It's a real peace. It's got a content to it. It's peace in the Lord Jesus, in, in Christ Jesus. That's the kind of peace that we're talking about. What does that mean? Romans 5 talks about, and I'm going to turn there. You don't have to. Um, you can if you want, but I promise I'll read it correctly. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been justified by faith, which is a theological term that means Christ has done a work on our behalf. If we look back a little bit into chapter 4, we see that it will be counted to us who believe in Him, the Father, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. There's that word again. You see, each of us have offended God in some way. Each of us have hurt him and others. We have grieved him. And although we are his beloved children, we act in ways that are harmful to him and to others as well, to the people around us. Now, you you don't even need to believe in in God to believe in that, that even with our best intentions, sometimes we hurt the people around us. And so for these things, we would stand condemned before God. But Christ has justified us. He, he stands before the throne of God and says to us, says to God, on our behalf, he is justified. She is justified. I have, I've brought him or her in to my family. And you see, this is the, the peace. You see, we used to be enemies with God. We used to, you might not even know that. But there are ways in which we act that, that are in conflict with who God is and what he's doing. And he has come down and made peace through us through the power of his death and resurrection. This is the peace. This is the content of the peace of God that we're talking about. And this peace produces... Oh, there's one more thing to say here. Which, this peace which surpasses all understanding. Uh, this, is, uh, this peace that surpasses all understanding... This, because we don't, we don't respond to enemies this way. The way we respond to enemies is with hostility and with fighting or with, you know, in other nasty kind of ways, right? That's how we typically respond 
to enemies. And, and God doesn't respond to them. He, he responds to us in ways that are beyond understanding. He comes to us and he loves us even when we've been his enemies. That's what we're going to look at. And so it produces three responses in our hearts. A joyful spirit, an accepting spirit, and a trusting spirit. And we're going to look at those three things. A joyful spirit, an accepting spirit, and a trusting spirit. And uh, let's see. So let's look at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. We sang that first song right out of the gate. Rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, Didn't that just inspire your heart? Didn't that just move you in your inner being to want to rejoice? Because you heard the people up here rejoicing. You heard people around you rejoicing. But what if you're not feeling it? What if your circumstances are circumstances that say, I don't really see any reason to be rejoicing. I see the brokenness. I see the tragedy. I see the sorrow around me. I don't see any reason to be rejoicing. Well, I think what happens there is often we confuse happiness with joy. You know, you can weep in the midst of joy. You can weep in the midst of joy when you know this truth of the peace of God that guards your heart and mind. When we access that truth, that reality, at the core of it, that we have been reconciled to God, that He is not angry with us, that He loves us and delights over us and accepts us and as, as loved children. When we can know that truth and that reality deep down in our hearts, we can have joy even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of hard circumstances. And that's what, you know... Paul is saying this to a congregation of people who are in the midst of of trials. They probably weren't feeling joy. That's why he commands it. That's why it comes across as a command. He says, rejoice, and he says it twice for emphasis. Rejoice in the Lord always. Brene Brown is uh, one of the leading researchers of shame in our present day. Brilliant woman. And uh, she writes this, if we're not allowing ourselves to know joy, we are missing out on something that will actually sustain us during difficult times. Joy actually sustains us through difficult times. So the command to rejoice is not just smack a smile on your face and go around saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It's digging down deep into that reality of of what's going on in your heart, accessing that truth. It's, It's taking that joy that we know deep down, and it's, and it's applying it over and over and over again. And the Psalms, if you read the Psalms, and I'll give you a little sampling here, and I encourage you to do this in the year to come, read a Psalm a day and look for this theme. Let all who take refuge in you rejoice, Psalm 5. Psalm 31, I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love, because you have seen my affliction, you have known the distress of my soul. Over and over and over again in Scripture, in the Psalms, we see this notion of suffering and trials and distress that the Lord sees. And the response is rejoicing. And it's no accident that this is in the book of Psalms, the worship book of the Hebrew people. You see, because we need to be encouraging each other to rejoice. Because that rejoicing, that joy will sustain us in the midst of hard times. It's not a Pollyanna. It's a, it's a digging down deep. That joy comes out of an inward reality. And so we can come here on Sunday morning and rejoice with God's people. But then on Monday, maybe even Sunday night, where are you going to go? 
You can come to these scriptures. You can go to friends and say, I need you to remind me of the joy that we have. And we can come to it again and again. And his well, the well of his word never runs dry. You see, this joy comes from an inward reality that reinforces the knowledge that we have. And we experience it outwardly. We express it outwardly. Now, some of you are going to be watching an important, apparently, important football game in the life of Washington, D.C. Now, again, I learned my football from Sandra Bullock, so I I don't know a whole lot about this. But I do know that if the Redskins win tonight, they go on to the playoffs. And if they don't, all the Cowboy fans are just going to be really happy. So I want you to, if you're going to watch that game tonight, I want to encourage you to notice the outward expressions of your joy. The outward expressions as you say, yes, touchdown, woo! Right? This is how we respond to things that we're excited about. And what's going on there? There's an inward reality that's being communicated. Well, there's the outward reality of the touchdown, right? And that's communicated to us through our eyes, into our hearts, and then we express that outwardly. How much more so the Word of God? How much more so the peace of God? How much more so can we express that reality? We train each other to rejoice. We train each other. Now, I'm of Scottish descent, and I've preached in Scottish churches before, and this is what you get. Now, I hope these people are rejoicing inwardly, but I don't see it. I don't see it. I think, I think our African-American brothers and sisters have a lot to teach people like me about rejoicing and expressing outwardly because there's an inward reality that I want to get out. So, a joyful spirit, an accepting spirit. Verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your reasonableness is another translation. There are many different translations for this word here, and so I want to spend a little bit of time on this word that in the NIV is translated uh, gentleness, ESV reasonableness, gentle spirit, moderation. These are all different translations. What, What this word is trying to get at is not insisting on your own rights that come either from law or from culture, not insisting on those rights. And that's why I call it an accepting spirit. Paul, in another place in the New Testament, contrasts this word with violence. So it's, it's the opposite of violence in some way. Now, because it's a tricky word, I'm going to try and define it by its negatives for a little bit. So bear with me. When, when we experience attack or hostility, there are three ways that I've noticed that I typically respond. Maybe you can relate to these. And these are ways that we go wrong according to this passage and other places in Scripture, where we go wrong to hostility towards us. The one is a very common American response. We fight. We sue. We become litigious. We, we take it to the man. Or we withdraw. We wall off. We distance ourselves through sarcasm and critical spirit and, and, and subtly cutting the other person down, maybe through gossip or, or, or things like that. Or we become a doormat. We just say, oh, well, que sera, sera, which is not at all a Christian idea. So then, what is this accepting spirit if it's not fighting, if it's not withdrawing, if it's not becoming a doormat? Well, the, the words that amplify this 
uh, I think, help us a a little bit here. It says, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. He is close. Now, this could mean two things, and I think it actually means both of these things. I think it means he's close in proximity, spatial proximity. His spirit indwells us. You can't get any closer than that. He lives within us. And uh, it's also close as in time. You know, if you're in the midst of hard times, you can always look forward to something good that's coming down the road. And there's something good that's coming. And that something is Jesus' return. So if you are wronged, if you have someone who's hostile towards you, and you want to fight, I encourage you to make your first response acceptance. And to say, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is coming. He will set all things to right. And once you've started from that place, then find a place to respond out of that attitude of the heart. Or if you want to withdraw or disengage through sarcasm or a critical spirit, you can say, I don't, I don't need to protect myself through those underhanded ways. I don't need to protect myself because the Lord is my refuge. He is close. He is near. He is my refuge. And if you're, and, and then find out how to respond out of, of that place of God being your refuge. Or if you're, your immediate response is just to be a doormat, uh, which I think a lot of people mistake Christian spirituality for doormatism. And I don't encourage that at all. It's really painful. Um, doormats get a lot of stuff wiped on them, right? So we don't want that. So if God is indwelling you, and if he is coming back to make all things right, and to vindicate you, then he must love you. He must value you. In fact, you know how much Jesus values you? He gave his own life for the joy that was set before him. That joy. So you are loved. You are valued by God. And he doesn't want you to be a doormat. So I've defined it in the negative. So you might be sitting there saying, okay, pastor, so what is it? (laughs) What is it? Well, it takes wisdom to know how to respond, but you've got to begin with this place of acceptance. Because, you know, this, the peace of God guards our inner beings and it creates this accepting spirit. And we, it's impossible without accessing this deeper reality. It's, it's impossible without praying that and, and asking God to make that accepting spirit a reality in your heart. There's a there's a, a, a prayer that, I, that I've come across in some other literature uh, that I'll see. I, I've tried to memorize it, but I wrote it down in case I forgot it. But here's the idea. Acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, there is some person, place, or situation, some fact of my life that is unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity or peace until I accept that person, place, or situation as being it is exactly the way it's supposed to be at this moment. Nothing. Absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. You see, this prayer is an appeal to the sovereignty of God, the lordship of Christ, the kingship that he has, the peace that the king brings, the conquering hero brings peace. And so out of that peace, we can find a place of acceptance. So nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. I need to concentrate not so much what needs to be changed in the world, but what needs to be changed in me and in my attitudes. 
brothers and sisters, it's acceptance. It's this accepting spirit that will train us to know how to respond to hostility. And it's out of the truth of, back to Romans 5 again, uh, verses 10 and 11, where Paul writes this. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You see, we don't earn the reconciliation. God comes down and he initiates it. He does it on our behalf through the death and resurrection of Christ. And if you don't know that peace of God at the depth of your being, if you haven't accepted Christ, we invite you to accept Him as your Savior today. And, and if that's something you want to know more about, we invite you to, to come and find any of the people that you see up here, or Duke, or someone who brought you here, and to talk to them, or me. I'm happy to talk to you about it as well. To find that true, deep peace that will guard your inner spirit. Okay, And this peace of God also produces a trusting spirit within us. Verse 6, trust God with your anxiety. Oh, let me actually read the passage. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, now notice this. The antidote to anxiety, which we, by the way, I think it's been documented now, are the most anxious culture in, in all of human history. Uh, and I my personal opinion is because it's related to all the information that we have and all the predictions we want to make. But I could be wrong about that. Uh, that's, not, that's not scriptural. That's just me. I'm just talking. Uh, so do not be anxious about anything. And notice what the antidote to anxiety is that, that Paul gives us. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God cares. He's powerful. He can do something, and he wants us to ask. The word prayer here is the the notion of ongoing conversation with, with God. And the word supplication here is specifically requesting things of him. And both of these are modified by the with thankfulness. With thankfulness. So there is there is this idea of gratitude in trusting God. You see, the trusting spirit is one that is not anxious, but comes to God and trusts everything to him. Corey Ten Boom, the uh, Holocaust survivor and writer, uh, and whose parents helped to um, rescue Jews from the Holocaust, uh, writes this, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Now, here is someone who went through unspeakable horror, uh, amazing persecution and conflict and hostility towards her personally and towards people that she loved. She lost family members in that concentration camp. And yet she is still able to say that she can trust her unknown future to a known God. Where is your future unknown today? Where, where are those places of anxiety in your heart? I want you to take just a moment to pause and reflect on something that brings you anxieties. you think about 2013. Bring that anxiety to mind, and then maybe even write it down, and I invite you to do this exercise with it. As, as you leave from here, as you go into the new year, uh, find 
five things to be grateful for around that anxiety. Five things to be grateful for around that anxiety. And this is the idea of with thankfulness, with gratitude. If we can cultivate this attitude of gratitude, if you will, this helps us to uh, build our trust in God. Because if we're grateful to Him, that means we have seen Him work in specific ways, and we can trust Him that He is going to work in the future. We can trust that unknown future to this known God. And you come to know Him deeper in the midst of this gratitude. So, just a quick example. If you're parents and you've been following the news from, I don't know, three weeks ago now at Sandy Hook Elementary School up in Connecticut, you may have anxieties about sending your kids to school. You might have just anxiety about your kids in general that were heightened by that awful, awful thing that happened. What are things that you can be grateful for around that? You can be grateful that God has given you children. There are people who want children and don't have them. So you can begin by being grateful to God for your children. And then you can be grateful that that God loves your children more than you do and and desires their safety more than you do. You can be grateful for that. And I'm not going to go through five, but you can see if you begin walking down that path, how the practice of that gratitude will grow your trust in Him, that grow that, that trusting spirit in Him, because He has sacrificed His own Son so that you could be brought in, so that you could have peace with God. So this peace of God cultivates a joyful spirit, an accepting spirit, and a trusting spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are a God who longs to see our joy, who, for the joy set before you, endured the cross and the suffering of it. And we thank you, Lord, that the joy that you offer us can actually sustain us through difficult times. And we pray, Lord, for this accepting spirit that comes out of the peace that you offer us, accepting the things that we cannot change in our lives, and going to you with them in prayer, trusting, Lord, that you will work all things for good, even the tragedies in our lives. That you will work these things for good. And that someday, at the culmination of history, when you come again to make all things new, to wipe away every tear, to turn our hearts from mourning into dancing, Lord, we pray that we would long to see that day and trust that you are near. And that we would take this truth and this reality into our day, into our week, into our workplaces, into our families, and into the new year. We pray it all in your mighty and precious name. Amen.